Today's Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 8. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading for today is Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Our gospel reading is from Luke 11, the first four verses. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. 
Abba, Father. I'm sure we all have different experiences with our human fathers. Some positive, some more negative. And as it happens, today is Father's Day in Taiwan. Uh, because the number eight in Chinese is pa, and the eighth of the eighth month is pa pa, so today is Papa Day, Father's Day. The question is not really what experience we made with our fathers. The question for us when we read these scriptures is, what does the Bible mean by telling us that God is our heavenly father. In 1978, Bilkwish Sheikh, a Pakistani lady, wrote a book about her converse, conversion from Islam to the Christian faith. And she called the book, I Dared to Call Him Father. I Dared to Call Him Father. In Islam, God presents absolute power. And the only response of human beings is absolute obedience. She discovered God's fatherly love. And she wrote a book about it. We take it for granted that God is our father. And that we may address him as father. We hardly realize how great a privilege it is. We served God for many years in Asia, in, in the Chinese world. And if you look at the Chinese religions, well, there are so many Chinese, so they also have so many religions. There are three main religions, uh, Buddhism, Taoism, and Confucianism. None of these religions knows the concept of God as Father. Gods tend to be manifestations of divine or superhuman power. They represent power rather than love. And the relationship with them normally is a relationship either of fear, that people pray and they worship God, they bring sacrifices uh, in order to ward off the anger of the gods, to keep the gods happy so that they just won't harm us. Or otherwise, the relationship is, is one of manipulation. Worship aims at earning access to superhuman power, which I can use for my own advantage. But there is no personal relationship of love, no father-child relationship. How come we Christians can know and address God as our father? Well, there's a very simple answer, because that is how God revealed himself to us in the scriptures. If we turn to the Old Testament, we see that God is, he introduces himself as the father of his people. The concept of God as father is common in the Old Testament, but God is directly called father only 14 times. The meaning in the Old Testament is that God has a special relationship with his people, Israel. 
He called their ancestor Abram. He saved them from slavery in Egypt. And he made them into his own people. That God is Father refers to the privilege that the people of Israel have. The privilege of knowing the only true God and belonging to him. The Old Testament prophets, they affirm God's fatherhood of Israel. But they also complain that Israel does not honor God as father. Malachi writes, well, it's actually God who through Malachi speaks and he says, A son honors his father and servants their master. If then I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me? But then as it always is with us, the moment that the people of Israel got into trouble, in their distress, they remember that God is their father. And then they call to him. You, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. You have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hands of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. We've heard the words in Isaiah just now. And God answers to this, not by chasing them away, saying, well, you didn't want to know me before, and now suddenly in your need you come to me. No, God answers with great compassion. Is not Ephraim my dear son? Is not he the child I delight in? As often as I speak against him, I still remember him. I am deeply moved for him. I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. These moving words show us very clearly that Israel knew God as a loving and compassionate father. Even in Old Testament times, Israel knew God as father. God was the father of his people and God was the father of the kings from the house of David. They were uh, actually understood to be the adopted sons of God. But his fatherhood in the Old Testament is still more like a metaphor. A metaphor for his love and his care. For in the whole Old Testament, there is not a single example of God being directly addressed as Father. It was a way of talking about God. It was not a way of talking to God. And then we come to the New Testament and to Jesus. And we enter a new world. Jesus introduces something completely new. He uh, introduces the address of God as Abba, Father. Abba, Father. We, read the, the, we meet this word Abba in three places in the New Testament. In Mark, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prays, where he uh, wrestles with God about the impending crucifixion. There he, he says, Abba, Father. 
And then in Romans 8 and in Galatians 4, Paul also refers to God being called Abba, Father. What is so special about this word Abba? Abba is not Hebrew. Abba is Aramaic. Abba is the original Aramaic form, which, is, which was the mother tongue of Jesus. That was the language that people spoke among each other on the streets, like in Switzerland, knowing German is no use, you have to know Schweizerdeutsch. <laughs> uh, the dialect, the, the language of daily life. This was Jesus' mother tongue with which he grew up. This is where Abba comes from. And this word Abba was not translated. It was not translated in the Greek text. It was kept as an Aramaic word, even in the Greek text. Why? It was important for the early Christians to retain this exact word. Because this was the word that Jesus himself used in his prayers to address God. And the interesting thing is, this is something completely new. Jesus was the first person ever to address God as Abba. There is not a single example of this usage in the Jewish prayers of the time of Jesus and before. Nobody dared to address God as Abba. Jesus was the first. Why? Because Abba came from the everyday language of the family. It was a homely word. This was the way the father spoke to his children at the table, at home. And this was one of the first words that a child would learn to say. In the Talmud we read, when a child begins to eat solid food, it learns to say Abba and Ima. It means that when a child is weaned, it learns to speak. And among the first words a child speaks are the words Papa and Mama. Mom and Dad. These are very early words for a child to learn. Abba was a completely homely word. No Jew would have dared to address God in such a familiar way. But Jesus always addressed God like this in his own prayers. In all four Gospels, we read how often Jesus prayed. And in all of his prayers, he starts with Father, which would have been Abba. This was the way Jesus spoke to God. Jesus speaks to God as a child speaks with his Father. In simple and intimate words of trust, sure of being heard. This Abba address expresses his closeness to God, his intimate relationship with him and his sonship. There is one exception though, only one exception in the New Testament. Only once when Jesus did not address God as Father. Where? On the cross. On the cross, Jesus called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One reason may be 
that Jesus is actually quoting. He's quoting the first words of Psalm 22. So we cannot change it. But I think there's a deeper reason. At that moment, Jesus did not experience God as his loving father, but as a strict judge. He stood before God, not as beloved son, but as the God-forsaken son of man, burdened with the sin and guilt of all humanity. Jesus called God Abba, Father, Papa. And then we come to Luke 11. There we read how the disciples begged Jesus to teach them how to pray, as John has taught his disciples. Now, we should not think, as I thought as a child, that the disciples up to then, they're now to pray. So they come to Jesus and say, please tell us how to pray. What this meant is actually that in those days, the custom was for a rabbi to teach his disciples a specific prayer. It was that rabbi's prayer. So when these disciples went about and they prayed in public, everybody knew, ah, he's a student of Gamaliel. He's a student of Hillel because he prays the prayer of that rabbi. And John, John the Baptist, he seems to have done the same. He taught his disciples a prayer too. So the disciples of Jesus, they come to him and say, look, we've been following you. You are our rabbi, but we still miss something. You still need to teach us a prayer as John taught his disciples to pray. We also want a prayer of identification a prayer that shows we are your disciples. And in answer to this request, Jesus teaches his disciples what we call now the Lord's Prayer. In German, it's called the Vater Unser Gebet, the Our Father Prayer, which is actually a very good way to, to, to name this prayer. Because compared to other prayers of this time, the contents of this prayer, of the Lord's Prayer, we also find elsewhere. Not in the same way combined as in the Lord's Prayer, but we do find them. But one element is completely new, and that is the beginning of this prayer. Because Jesus teaches them to pray to God using the same familiar address that he always used. Father, Abba. They ask Jesus, please teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, Abba. When you pray, say, Abba. As followers of Jesus, they can share in this wonderful privilege. As Jesus addressed God, naturally as Father, because he is the Son of God, he gives his Disciples, including us, everybody following him. The same privilege, the same honor that in prayer we can come to God as beloved children and we can address God as Father. As followers of Jesus, we too may call God Abba, Father. By teaching us this prayer, Jesus gives us a share in his own sonship. And that is how Paul understands it too. 
In Romans 8, he says, you have received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption as sons, as children of God. And we shouldn't say, well, we are only adopted children. Because Paul writes this to the Romans. It's in the letter to the Romans. And in Roman law, there was no distinction made before the law between the rights of natural children and legally adopted children. If you adopted a child and later had your own natural child, the adopted child you adopted first would be the prime inheritor of your estate. That was Roman law. And Paul understands it like this, and he even interprets it like, as if it's a legal thing. He says, we, we, we call out Abba, Father, which shows that we are children of God. And as children, we are fellow heirs with Christ. We share in the inheritance with Christ, like the natural child of God, Jesus Christ. We become fully acknowledged children of God. Jesus gives us the privilege to, to speak to God in exactly the same way that he spoke to God with familiarity, trustingly, as a child speaks to his loving father. And this is actually what prayer in the name of Jesus means. When we conclude all our prayers and we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is what it means. It's not just a few words we add on to the end of the prayer uh, for special effect. When we were in language school in Taiwan, our teachers were not even Christians, but they knew that much when they taught us how to pray in Chinese. You have to say at the end of the prayer, I pray in the name of Jesus, otherwise the prayer won't work. Huh? It just won't work. That much they knew. But that is not really the meaning. If we, if we pray in the name of Jesus, it means we pray to God, we stand in front of God with the identity of Jesus. His identity as the beloved child of God. And we can do that because Jesus changed places with us. He gave us this place before God as child of God. He gave it to us by vacating it by taking our place. We can speak to God as children of our Heavenly Father. We can address Him as Abba, Father, Papa, Dad. For Paul, this is the real proof that we have the Spirit of God. Not extraordinary phenomena, powers of healing, tongues, prophecy, but this simple word, Abba, proves that we have been adopted through the Spirit of God to be children of God. So Paul says, he doesn't even say, we say or we speak. He says, we shout out, Abba, Father, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in us. Every time we address God as Father, according to Paul, it is actually a confirmation of our identity as children of God. It is the Spirit of God that enables us to experience now already what our final position before God will be, to live with Him as His sons and daughters in all eternity. 
We practice for that eternity every time when we address God as Father. To conclude, the whole message of Jesus can actually be summarized in this one word, Abba. Jesus came to this world to tell us and to show us that God is not only the righteous judge, but it is that he is also our compassionate Father. Jesus came to tell it to us in all his parables, in all his teaching. It's about the love of God, the compassion of God for his lost world. And to, he came to show us this love. We could see this love in the way that he reached out to people, that he treated all members of society, the high and the low, concentrating on the needs of people and bringing their needs into contact with the, the love of God, the compassion of God, and the changing power of God and his word. Jesus came to die on the cross, to exchange places with us before God. There on the cross, he took on our identity, sinner, so that we can share, can have his identity, child of God. We became God's adopted children, and he becomes, God becomes our Abba, Father. The whole ministry of the Holy Spirit can also be summarized in this word, Abba. Because the Holy Spirit affirms our new identity as children of God. When we come in a crisis, when we come in a situation where we don't know what to say, the Spirit, He helps us to say, Father. And to realize there is a Father who faces us with His love and His compassion. That Jesus introduced this familiar address of God into the world. That he taught his disciples to do the same. Means that he also changed the character of the relationship between God and his people. Jesus, by teaching us to say Abba, by, to say Father, he changed the nature of our relationship with God. It's a new type of relationship. And this relationship is characterized by closeness and by childlike trust. We are not mere servants of God. God is not our heavenly boss who is always checking up on us whether we're doing our work well. We don't need to shape our relationship with God through our work and our efforts for him. Of course we live for him. Of course we serve him and we want to, to, to use all our energy, everything we have, for his glory. But that does not shape our relationship to him. Our relationship is not shaped by what we do and how much we do for him. We may dare to take the step from a work relationship with God to a family relationship. The step from being a servant to being a child. It is the step from one who tries to earn a relationship with God through hard work and through merit, to one who simply lives joyfully as a child of God. In this address, Abba, Father, our identity as son, as daughter of God is actualized. 
This is the living space that Jesus has created for us through his whole life and through his death and through the gift of the Lord's Prayer. In this space, I get to know myself anew as a son, as a daughter of God. And I get to know others anew as my brothers and sisters, also sons and daughters of God. Yes, this Pakistani lady, she was right. Yes, we dare to call him father. Let us also live as his children, making his presence felt in our world. Amen.